G'day and welcome to a Grad Chat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I'm your host for this week's Grad Chat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of School of Graduate Studies and the CFRC. So thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the show at any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify and Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. But today I'd like to introduce you to Lynn Drapeau, who is doing a PhD in management finance stream uh, in the Smith School of Business under the supervision of Dr. Louis Gagnon. Welcome to GradShot, Lynn. Thank you for having me. And now it's great having uh, Lynn here because uh, Lynn actually reached out to me to say, you know, is there any opportunities for me to talk about my research or her research as well as all the extracurriculars and things that you're doing? So I'm really pleased. So much nicer when a student asked me, can I come on the show? <laughs> so, <laughs> so thank you for putting that forward. And it made things very, very easy for me. So. I mean, you mentioned that you want to have an opportunity to talk, but but why? Why is that important to you to be able to showcase what you're doing both on an academic point of view as well as other things that you're doing in your personal life? I've been doing Toastmasters, practicing public speaking for almost three years now, and it's all about personal growth. Right. So... You practice public speaking and you get some feedback and then you adjust, you try to improve for your next speech or role. So I feel like that after three years, my next step was kind of doing something else, maybe media related. Right. So this podcast, it sounds like it's a good challenge for me because I'm not sure that everyone is a natural person on the radio or just uh, just prepare for the experience so it's a way to challenge me and to learn and uh, i'm going to complete my phd in the next few months so it's nice that i kind of have this experience before right. moving to another chapter of my life yeah. well just already it seems like you're very comfortable in front of the microphone here so i don't think you have any problem with that so going to toastmasters for three years has clearly um, you've clearly benefited from it so well done on that and, and and it is great that you do want to sort of go to that next level particularly when you're graduate you know you're about to defend and, and and move on to your next step so, you know, like you said, learning how to speak to different audiences is going to be super important for you. Uh, the, the context within Toastmaster, it's very interesting because I'm part of downtown Kingston Toastmaster and it's a very positive and welcoming community. So even if your speeches or presentations, they're not perfect, you will get positive comments all the time. And then we say a, a point of growth and a challenge for the future. And we try to frame it in a very positive way. That's awesome. So I'm just <laughs> getting outside of that little positive bubble and <laughs> challenge so, myself. So you come to chat with me, which is fantastic. I love it. <laughs> so before we talk about some other of your extracurriculars that you've done, what is your background? I mean, why did you, I mean, 
are you an accountant? Are you an economist? You know, what is your background before coming to do the PhD? That's a good question. I did a bachelor degree at Université de Sherbrooke, uh, Sherbrooke University in finance. It's funny that you mention accounting because I started in accounting and maybe one week later, I clearly, I clearly <laughs> realized, oh no, it's, it's not for you. <laughs> it's not for me. I, I prefer finance. I love it. <laughs> and I also did a uh, master of science in finance. Right. But my background is mostly finance. But I'm also interested in the economics. Right. But I don't have economic background per se. But because of my field of study, right, yes. competition, I had to teach myself a lot of economics. Right. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about your research because I'm, I'm so proud of you. The fact that you're so close to the end of of doing your PhD because that's no mean feat. And I, I've said that many a time on our shows. And so you're in the Smith School of Business in the management program, but there's various streams in the management program, and you're doing the finance one. And your research topic is product market competition and corporate finance. Now, before we go into the kind of questions that I want to ask with some about definitions and things, what is overall, what, what are you studying? Uh, what I study overall is in my research, I'm trying to see how if competition affects firms or organization financial decisions, such as investment, financing, and taxes. And in this specific project, I'm looking at what are competition and tax firm value. Because sometimes public organizations, they care about how their, their business is worked. Yep. So that's that's interesting though because I know when I was first reading this I thought oh my gosh we're going to talk finance that is so not my cup of tea <laughs> uh, so, which is why I'm hoping you can answer some of these questions for me so let's let's start off with defining some of the areas that you you talk about within your research so what is market competition and why is it important for an organization I I will provide you kind of the way I frame competition mm -hmm. and maybe a more academic definition after that. Sure. Uh, so the way that I define competition, it's kind of the act uh, or process in which companies, they try to gain consumers, profits, and market uh, market share. Right. And it's I think it's a bit too specific and it doesn't encompass all the kind of the competition. I'll I'll just tell you the definition of Stigler uh, in a paper of uh, Stigler. Yeah, he is an economist, a oh, well-known okay. economist. Okay. Uh, he mentioned that competition it's the rivalry between individuals or group or nations that arises whenever two or more parties strive for something that all cannot obtain. It's a bit broader. It includes objects of rivalry, such as trying to gain profit and market right. share. But what is interesting is that it also includes kind of the instrument of rivalry. And what I mean is that companies, they can compete with prices, with research and development, kind of in a right. differentiation way. They can compete with advertising. So competition overall there's many definitions mm -hmm. out there, but I think that the one of Stigler, it's kind of broad, so and it's insightful in his own way. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, that that actually makes more sense because if you think of the word competition in, in general terms, if I, me, I would think of competition in terms of sport. You know, one competing against another, and how do we get that step up to do better? Olympics is a classic example. How do I become the best runner in the yes, world? Yes, 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 yes. You know, what do I do to my body in the in the training techniques, and you know, all those sort of better shoes or equipment and things to get myself one step higher than my per the person next door to me. Yeah, you're mentioning an interesting point. I was speaking with someone not so long ago in the industry and just talking about my research. I'm doing research on competition and how it impacts firms' uh, decisions. And then uh, the, the person stopped me right away by saying, competition, you mean you mean market competition, right? Not like competing in a, uh, in, in a sports challenge, let's say. So sometimes these little words, I kind of need to make myself clear because right. I use competition very freely, but maybe outside of academia, it made a difference that it was not just, I was talking about market competition mm -hmm. and not just competition because it includes all other kinds of activities that may not involve companies or right. nations. Right, right, good yeah. point, good point. So, okay, this is a classic then. So what is the difference between market competition and competitiveness? It's, it's something that I went to the dictionary just to be <laughs> sure. Because I do that all the time. <laughs> the, these, these are just nuances. Mm -hmm. The competitiveness, it's just this, it's the state of being competitive. So in other words, companies, they're thinking about their strategies whether they're going to better compete with prices or research and development. And competition, it's the action of competing. So being in the action and kind of, um, it's the active state right. while the other is more like internal thinking about strategy and strategy. how right. the company can survive and thrive over the long run. Right. That, that part's a bit interesting too because I think about certain organizations who want to be the best in something, all right? And the best to me doesn't necessarily always mean um, the best profit margin. Sometimes yeah. the best can be, I've got the best eco-friendly product in the market right now. And my margins are small because I've had to pay extra for various materials and everything. But I'm proud to say this is the best product in this area. Yeah, there, there are some research that study kind of what you seem to refer to market leaders versus okay. other. Uh, I mean, it's okay if you truly believe that you have the better product for this, for a, a specific reason. But sometimes competition, you, you, you need to have something valuable to offer. It may not necessarily be the best, but if you offer like lower prices, there's right. other way to that the company can be distinct and just thrive in its own way. That's a good point, actually, because if you look at some of the, the companies like was it um, Big Giant Tiger, and, and they have a certain niche area. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Wouldn't say the products are are the the best products, but they they fit a certain grouping. 
Yes, yes. Um, yeah, there's, I realized over time that it's not simple to talk about mm -hmm. profit margins because there's a industry specific component. Some industries, they make less profit. Let's say I'm thinking about grocery stores. Right. Their profit margins, they're not high. It's more about like the, the quantities of goods that they sell. And there's a component about uh, is there less or more competition in this industry? Because more un un more competition, usually it's associated to lower uh, profit margin. Right. There's a, a lot going on. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm trying to be careful not to make too general <laughs> statements. Yeah, because we could go down a rabbit hole, couldn't we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> With all of that, because we just brought up a few different areas already on that. So what extent does competition play a role in our economy? Because, I mean, you're in, in finance. So. Yes, yes, yes. I, I would mention three, three factors, three roles mm -hmm. in the economy. First, the efficient use of resources. Second, the uh, it keeps the market productive. And the... Uh, the last but not the least, it has an impact on innovation. So right. the, the, first, the first role in the economy is that we want companies to make an efficient use of their resources. If there's no competition around, I mean, they could be in the state of just status quo and just not trying to, I don't know, seek additional interesting features for their consumers. Right. So with competition, it's it drives companies to just try to do more. And it, it's, it's an example of that, and I'm going to throw the telecommunications people in, in here, is that, you know, you can be signed up with Kojiko, Bell, or whatever, at a certain price, and then you realize <laughs> two years down the track, only new people are getting the discounts or the special deals. Oh, yeah. Um, which I'm going, well, that's not being very proactive in terms of looking after your current client base. You're just trying to bring in new ones, but shouldn't you be looking after your, your current clients to make them feel special? Otherwise, what a lot of people do, they'll go to the other one that gives the better deal. <laughs> uh, the, the thing with uh, this, also this market, is that I'm not sure how many players there's, but I feel like there's not a lot of internet providers right so you, you let's say you start with one internet provider and you're i don't know the, the 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 quality of internet it's pretty slow you you find that you pay high prices maybe people will reach out to the internet provider to negotiate a better price or just move to another provider because mm -hmm. they hope that the quality of internet is going to be faster and then if they move to another internet provider and they're still not satisfied, if there's not a lot of competition, it means that there's not a lot of uh, internet providers. Right. So people, they, they're kind of stuck with a suboptimal uh, mm -hmm. offer of products. They, 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 it's maybe about, uh, about the, the, the prices that they're not satisfied or the quality of the product, but it's, I have a personal experience with this, uh, <laughs> starting with uh, Kajeko and then moving to Bell because mm -hmm. it seems like, yes, we pay high prices sometimes. And the thing is, 
people don't call their internet providers every year to right. renegotiate to maybe right. if they would do that it's it's a good point actually because and, and you know the other sort of grouping like that is the insurance companies yes, you know, yes. I, there was a time where every year I would look around and, and, and then go oh, okay this year I'm going to this company and this year I'm going to this company and I thought why do I have to do all the work? <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's time consuming to do that. But at the end, people who do that, they save some money, save but some money. you need to have the time. <laughs> you do need to have the time. So how do organizations respond when they face more competition, which is basically what your research is about? Yes. Uh, yes. Overall, my research combines causal inference with policy relevant questions. And I'm doing research with my supervisor, Louis Gagnon. Mm -hmm. What we found is that when companies enact competition laws, so the goal of these laws is to uh, increase market competition. Right. Companies, they increase in value because they make more investment and they finance these additional investment with more equity. And, the interesting element of this study is that we find we find that these results that this uh, value enhancing effect it holds for companies that are in countries under the common law right and companies in country with strong law enforcement so in other words it um, the effect is present for companies in countries with already strong judicial institutions okay and so you're saying the laws there are one that every all players in that particular field have to abide by yes yes right uh, i'm i'm talking mo more about like uh, the courts the judicial courts they're strong enough that the 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 the, uh, the laws that are passed they're well designed and also we want laws to be enforced Yes, so there's no point having them if they're not enforced. And that's happened a lot with yes, you look exactly. at some of the petroleum companies and yeah. things. <laughs> Just to name a f one. <laughs> <laughs> so so you, you talked about laws that help maintain some sort of equity yes, within the marketplace, depending on what the product or whatever is being yeah, sold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So can you give me an ex another oh, sure, couple sure, more sure, examples sure. of that? I'm talking about competition laws in general mm -hmm. in my research, but specifically I'm using leniency laws in my research. These laws, they are anti-collusion law. What, ah, okay. what, what do they mean is that, I'll, I'll say it that way, it's like they're whistleblowers law. It means like okay. um, the these laws they put in place incentive to so that other companies that are in doing collusions they come to them with evidence so that other other companies that are doing collusion will be bring to court okay and this okay. this company that come to the antitrust authorities i mean it it can get protection from jail and from fines okay so but okay. the other if there's enough enough evidence so that they're they go to court and win the other will be punished for their behavior 
Can I take this, and maybe this is not part of what you're doing, but when you talk about the collusion or anti-collusion, you know, again, I'm, I'm really sorry, I'm going to choose the petroleum market again. <laughs> but the, there was always those talks about, um, you know, the price of a barrel of oil, crude oil. And sometimes it goes really high and sometimes it goes low. And it's because certain companies or countries have held back supply and things yeah. to, to make the change in the price of oil. Also part of what you're doing or is that something another thing altogether? That's that's a bit part of what I'm doing in the sense that and it's a oil is a good example because oil it's a, a product that is kind of uniform from mm. one place to another. True. You don't have like different kind of you know, just the refine and blah, blah, blah. But basically yes. it's it's oil and people, they know. And it's this kind of product, it's more easy to do collusion because collusion is like, let's say that in a, in a city, there's a convenience store, they sell gas. They can, they can have an agreement together to keep the prices That's high, right? So that if if let's say Colette, you you need gas, your your car need gas, so you stop at that first convenience store and you're like, oh, this is expensive. You decide to wait for the other convenience store. You go there; it's not too far away, and you really realize, oh, it's about the same, same. price, still expensive. And you probably won't do it a third, fourth time because right. you need gas. So you'll just settle. You're, okay, I'm going to, I need gas. Mm -hmm. I cannot do without gas. So it's kind of this way that this kind of product, because it's kind of uniform, they, it's more easy to do collusion. Right. It, I mean, I don't mean to intend that uh, businesses, they have uh, bad intentions and they try to find ways to screw consumers. I mean, it's just prone yeah. to collusion. Collusion. Yeah, and that's and I know we've been picking on oil, but yes, it's an easy one to pick on. Unfortunately, for for that you industry. need an hybrid car. Or we do need an electric car. Ex exactly, exactly. And then they take up all the parking spots. No, <laughs> <laughs> they get the best parking spots too, nice and close. Okay, so let's go on to a little bit more about we you know your some of your extracurriculars, which hopefully will help you in your own personal growth or has helped you with your own personal growth. So preparing you as well for when you finish your PhD, which is just around the corner, as we've heard. So you've done some interesting things. And you've already talked about your, you know, the opportunities that Toastmasters or opportunities and what you've learned from Toastmasters, which is awesome. But also you were a part of the PhD Community Initiative, which we've talked about a little bit on the show before because it is one of our programs at the School of Graduate Studies, we're very proud of. And what's nice about that, of course, is it's multidisciplinary. We've got students from across campus that are part of this. So what, which, um, which project were you involved in when you were doing the PhD Community Initiative? Uh, I'm, I'm still doing it. It's, oh, right, uh, right. It's ongoing, actually. I started last September, and I was matched with ABLE2. Able to, it's it's a nonprofit organization that they pair people with disabilities with friend volunteers. Fantastic. And it's the first 
organization in the PhD community initiative that is based in Ottawa and not Kingston. Ah, you got that right, of course. Yes, that's fantastic, though. Uh, yes, yes, because the organization needs our help mm -hmm. because the problem is that hundreds of people with disabilities, they are on a wait list mm -hmm. waiting to be matched with a friend volunteer. Right. So it's a, it's a heartbreaking thing when you think about yes. that. Uh, yes. So with your team then, are you trying to find ways of how to market to get more, more volunteers? Is that, is that what you've been asked to do? Our mandate was pretty wide because it was basically to make recommendation on volunteer recruitment and retention program. Okay. And right now, Jacqueline, Brian, and Anne and I, we met yesterday. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> name, <Shout> drop <laughs> name dropping. I mean, we need to define the scope mm -hmm. of what we're doing. And it could be, what we're doing could be three different projects. Right. So yesterday we were practicing pitches for every one of us. We had a, a project and we were practicing pitches because we're going to meet our community partner uh, probably in the next few weeks. Right. So we're going to let them choose because that's a good idea they they know their organization mm. and they probably have way more information than what we have and we find that these three project ideas they're all valuable right just according to our i mean our opinions as yes. outsiders so it's 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 going to be a fun exchange just to uh, be like entrepreneurs and pitch yes. project ideas and then g give them time to think about so that they, they will pick one because mm -hmm. we only have a few months left. Mm -hmm. So after that, we, we don't have enough time to help with these three no, projects. But, but I mean, first of all, pitching three different options for them is great because if they, they'll pick one, there's still two other things that someone else can do down the track. And then, of course, whichever one they, they choose, the nice thing is it's their project. They're just asking for your assistance. So it's really nice that you've given them some options to go by, which maybe they may not have thought about, which now they can, and then you can come up with some solutions for them. Uh, what we intend to do is, I mean, they will pick one project, but we've done some work for right. the three projects. So in our final documents, we will kind of, provide the idea for the other two projects and maybe some additional information based on our research right. to guide them because we've done we have already done some work and these discussion that we had these reading that we did maybe it's going to be valuable for them mm -hmm. if if let's say they they come back next year in the PhD community initiative and maybe Another team will Can be... Can do one of the other yes. options, which is awesome. Well, <laughs> good luck with that. And, and we've always had great success with that program. And what, what is nice is, is our grad students are working with community partners to help community partners. And, you know, you've all got such great talents. It'd be, it's really nice that you're using them to help the community. So, so good luck with all of that. Thank you. And so the other things... Oh, you, you seem to like teaching. 
because it's got here that you've been a lecturer at the University of Sherbrooke, as well as you're going to be teaching a course for Smith um, School of Business next semester. Yes, yes. So is that something you want to pursue more as you move forward? Oh, yes, yes, of course. With having a research background, mm -hmm. it's really nice to combine that with teaching because it's a way to share your knowledge. Right. And it, it also, it kind of pushed me to simplify right. because a friend of, of mine, Esta, we had many, many discussions in the past that, you know, learning, there's when you're a teacher, you're trying to know what are the building blocks mm -hmm. of your concept. And what I mean is that you have these concepts, let's say like return on equity for finance people. And you kind of need to know what students they need to know before so that they will ha understand this concept. Right, right. So they need to understand what is a return, what is equity, and in this case also what is leverage. So it's a way to try to demystify complicated concepts right. by just giving them tidbits of knowledge so that they understand this higher concept in terms of previously understood one. Right. So that's a, that's another challenge in itself because when you've been doing finance, thinking about finance for so long, you kind of take some concepts for uh, granted. For granted. <laughs> you understand them. And sometimes it's the interaction with the students that is really worthwhile because they are curious, they ask questions, and it's kind of, it challenges you in mm -hmm. a way. I taught courses like introduction to finance. So, sometimes it's the foundation of finance, but you can get questions that, whoa, these are very interesting questions and I'm not sure I can provide you a good right. answer. Right. So it keeps you kind of on edge to just always be thinking about the real world. Yeah. Because students, they're smart. If you just provide them a theoretical concept, they will kind of try to find how they can apply that in the real world. Which I think makes much more sense because we've got to show that application, don't we? Oh, yeah, and you need to be connected for sure. I mean, sure. you need foundations, of course, but also have the option to, you know, open yourself up more to other possibilities of what this means. So last question for you. I understand you're a board member of the Keys Job Centre here in Kingston, which is fantastic. Why did you want to get involved in, in that? Because, again, that's something very different from what your, your studies are about. This organisation, Keys Job Centre, it's, it's a really great organisation to start with. It was founded like many, many years ago in 1983. It was registered as a charity in Kingston, Gananoque right. and the surrounding re region. And it's not just an organization that provides employment services for all job seekers. It's also the largest service for newcomers to Canada. Yes. Because I think there are some programs that support refugee too. Mm -hmm. It's not so different than my background, but it's this experience, it connects me to the real world right. because as a finance person, I review the financial reports and we're right. discussing the operational decisions. 
but it keeps me grounded mm -hmm. in the realities. Sometimes uh, I cannot use examples of these discussions because they're confidential, but I can see that people have different points points of view, mm -hmm. and it's a uh, it's a truly nice experience. That's cool. Uh, again, know. though, it's you're you're helping the community, right? And so you know, with the PhD community initiative, and then of course your work with Keys, I think that's really really important because as, as you said, it's these sorts of things outside of your studies that help ground you for where you are sitting right now. Uh, it's. Yes, yes, I, I help my community, but I feel at the same time that they're also helping me to right. learn. It's it's a two-way relationship. Mm -hmm. It's not just my time, but I evolved so much as That's a fantastic. person. <laughs> That's really good. I'm, I'm so, like I said in the beginning, I'm so proud of you for everything that you've done, both in your own research and all the other things that you've done to help outside of your research one for your own development, but two to help others. And so I wish you the best for all of it. Good luck on the defense. Um, <laughs> it's in a few months. Uh, well, you've got a bit of time, but <laughs> so uh, best of luck with that and, and with all the projects that you're working on. And I know you're just going to do fabulously. Oh, thank you so much, Galen. You're, you're very welcome. So that's it, everyone. A, another week of Grad Chat sadly comes to an end. Uh, don't forget you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify or Stitcher. Just type in Grad Chat. Until next week, this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray. Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples and brought to you by the generous support of the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Science.